Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. By the time Pokemon hit in the mid-90s, not that I was too old for it, but it just didn't capture my imagination. I still definitely was a cartoon fan, and I did play video games, and I had a Game Boy, and Pokemon just wasn't one of the ones that captured my imagination because it was it was so fucking basic, and I was like, I don't want to have to do math in my head. I don't want to have to figure all of this shit out. You know, and there were all these attacks and all these different characters. And I was like, this is too much. I'm about that Tetris life. I'm not trying to fuck with this other shit, right? Okay, fine, great. Fast forward to the cartoons becoming a thing, and it would occasionally be on in the background, or I would see it in passing and think, okay, fine, you know, this is cute. But the fact that the Pokemon all just sort of said their names over and over again, drove me nuts. (laughs) That was something that just did not engage me. And the vocalization for Pikachu was absolutely aggravating. It was nails on a chalkboard to me. I have a particular sensitivity to certain types of sounds, right? It's misophonia, right? You know, you can look it up if you want, but I didn't know misophonia was a thing. I thought I was just like a fucking maniac. And the fact that someone going, Pika, 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 Pikachu was making me real stabby, I assume was just part of my usual fucked up personality. So I didn't really think about it. Fast forward again to, what was it, 2016, I guess? And here I am living my life and this Pokemon Go thing hit. And the first I think the week before it came out, there was some buzz going on. Oh, this is new thing. It's going to hit. It's going to be huge. Because, of course, I have my finger on the pulse of the interwebs. And I was actually traveling with the Spousemeister. We were in Europe when Pokemon Go was released. And I saw friends of mine fucking putting up videos of themselves running around trying to catch these Pokemon. And a lot of these were folks who were gamer folks. And some of them were folks who were not gamers per se. But we're caught up in the excitement because when you see like a thousand people racing down the street for some imaginary monsters, you're probably going to be curious. And sure, some people are like, oh, these fucking weirdo gamers. But I am a weirdo. And my relationship to gaming is uh, very weird. Anyway, so point is, here we are in Vienna, I think, when the game first dropped. And then we went to Salzburg thereafter. And it was, I think, maybe two days after it had been released. And I was like, I am not doing this. I'm just, I'm not. I've always been that kid who is rejecting of what the masses are doing in favor of coolness being avoiding the thing everyone else is doing, right? 
when I was a kid and all of my little friends were in love with Han Solo, I picked Luke Skywalker. I was like, Luke is the best. They were like, Luke is a whiny little boy. Han Solo is the one who's super handsome and he's so great and he's so Millennium Falcon and da 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 da. Luke is just a little bitch. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Pause. I would like to button that by saying I've been vindicated because how hot is Zaddy Luke Skywalker? Can we just talk about that? Can we also talk about, no, no, no. I'm going to get into my Luke porn. Anyway, point is this. I strenuously avoid doing the shit that everyone does. Right? Right. Okay, fine. However, so I'm in Salzburg. The Spousemeister is working all day and it was a gorgeous afternoon. I didn't have a lot of other stuff to do in the few hours between when he had uh, a meeting and then he had a class. And then I was like, look, I'm just going to walk around, explore, see what's going on. Adjacent to the place where he was working, which was a, some sort of music institute, yada, yada, was this really beautiful garden that I was walking through. And it was very lovely. And I was like, a really gorgeous day. So I started at one end of the garden and walking through and I was surrounded by these swirling masses of tourists. I sat down on a bench. I took out my phone. I was surfing the net, caught up with a friend of mine who was like, yeah, Pokemon Go. And I look up to realize that there are literally hundreds of people in this park who are not doing park shit. They're all staring at their phones, but they're clustered together. So usually if you see people on their phones, they're doing their own phone shit, right? They're not in collaboration with a bunch of other people on their phones. So this is already a strange pattern that I'm observing. And between this and the five or six older British ladies who are sitting next to me on the bench, I'm like, this is sort of just a weird vibe. And then another British lady comes over, very excited to the ones that are sitting next to me on the bench. And she hurries up and she goes, oh, dear, you must, must, must come. We're about to walk over to the section of the park where you can see where Maria was running down the stairs when she was singing, I have confidence. And they all creak up and they're just all tutting and they're so delighted and they walk over. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I asked someone else, another old lady on the other side of me, I was like, do you know what this is? And she's like, oh, well, she explains to me in her accented English, this is one of the parks. This is a scene from a movie. And she described it as a movie that was, you said it was a movie starring Julie Andrews. She said there's a Julie Andrews movie <laughs> that was famously shot here. And I'm like, do you mean The Sound of Music? She's like, yes, probably. And this is also hilarious because, of course, no Austrians have heard of The Sound of Music. You would think that, well, it's, you know, it's this famous film. It's about Austria. It's this legendary epic. There's no American who has not fucking seen or been in the same room with someone else watching this goddamn flick. But Austrians have not seen it. When you think about it, it's unsurprising. Why would they watch this fairy tale? I did make the Spousemeister watch it. And let me tell you, it was a concert of ridiculousness. <laughs> and then I started doing research on it, realized, wow, this, the movie is so, it's not just a, an expansion of the story or an exaggeration. It's just flagrantly wrong in so many places. I might do, I should do a whole episode on that, my God. But the worst offense was the fact that they made, um, Gerig von Trapp, the sort of stern disciplinarian, when it was actually not him at all. I read an interview with one of the older Von Trapp daughters who was like, yeah, our father loved us and spoiled us and was gentle and kind because we were so hurt and, and wounded and saddened by the loss of our mother. 
Maria was a nun and came in on the nun fucking tip. I was like, oh my God, that makes sense. Nuns in these teaching positions, everyone I know who went to a school that was run by the Catholic Church was like in terror of nuns. Like, of course, she was the one with the whistles. She was the one who made them line up. She did all of that. Holy shit. Anyway, so Salzburg being a place where people still believe in capitalism, of course, capitalizes on the fact that everyone else in the English-speaking world faps off to Maria von Trapp. So there's all these sounds of music tourists. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm saying, oh, my God, they're all posing on the steps, you know, like with their little baskets or whatever, and their head scars and whatever the fuck they're doing. So while there are huge groups of little old British ladies, little old American ladies and Japanese tourists all over there foaming at the mouth because this garden is where, you know, Maria von Trapp skipped and sang. There's hundreds of other people in these clusters on their phone. So I walk over to one person and I was like, are you guys doing that Pokemon Go thing? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You Do you play? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, you should download it. I'm like, fine, whatever. So I download it. I wander back over to my bench and I'm sitting there trying to figure out what to do. However, I, God, do I hate asking people for help. <laughs> I hate asking people for help, even on something as foolish as a video game, right? So I'm like, so a group of kids stroll by, they see me playing, they start excitedly talking in German. I'm like, I only speak English. So of course I switch to English because, you know, everyone in Europe has at least two languages, right? We suck here. We suck. And I'm like, I don't know how to play and I can't figure out where the instructions are. There, there's no directions on what I should do. And they explain that that's deliberate, that they want you to learn by asking other people. I'm like, well, how are the first people supposed to learn? No one ever answered that question to my satisfaction. Anyway, they're explaining there are these Pokemon, the Pokedex, where you can see what monsters you've caught. And, you know, once you catch these monsters, then you can evolve them to other forms of themselves. And I'm like, evolution, okay. I vaguely remember something like that. So I start playing. I'm trying to catch this. I'm trying to catch that. They explain to me that there are regions and districts and there are certain Pokemon that are attracted to certain things. And so there's certain Pokemon that are water Pokemon and certain Pokemon that are electrical Pokemon. And the water Pokemon are more likely to be found in places where it's wet, like a lake or a river. And electrical Pokemon are more likely to be found where there's lots of technology or near a power plant or whatever the fuck. And then in the game, there are all of these structures around. And I'm like, well, what is this? And I'm like, well, it's a Pokestop. And you have to go near it. And once you're close enough to it in the virtual sense, then you twirl your finger over it and you spin it and then stuff pops out of it. And it goes into your bag and you get to save it in your bag. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then there's these other things floating around. I'm like, what are these bigger structures? And they're like, oh, those are gyms. And you go there to fight and to put your Pokemon in there. And then you can challenge other people. I'm like, this sounds like a lot of shit. So by the time the spouse meister came to pick me up, I was like, okay. So look, I just found out that there's this Pokemon that's very rare that apparently is available up by this castle thing up here. And my friends, my new friends told me how to get there. So we should go there tonight after we have dinner so I can find this rare Pokemon that apparently I now need. Where four hours ago, I didn't even know it existed, but now I got to have it. <laughs> and this mouse miser stopped and looked at me and was like, wait, you want to go hiking? in the woods at night to catch this imaginary monster. And I said, yes, 
Yeah. Now, keeping in mind that A, woods are not my fucking jam, and B, woods at night are certainly not the fuck my jam. I don't want to go hiking around. I'm just, it's not my shtick. But this is all that the Spassmeister wants to do, especially when, you know, we're back in the places that he knows and he feels safe and comfortable in. And for someone who grew up in the mountains, hiking through the woods at night is beautiful and, and wonderful. And you get to hunt mushrooms and do all this stuff. Meanwhile, I'm like, I go back to like fleeing from slave catchers vibes. I'm like, I don't want to be in the woods. I, on my DNA level, am not trying to get into the woods at fucking night. So the spouse meister was definitely delighted at this prospect. And he was like, well, I don't know what this is and I don't quite understand it. But if it makes you want to walk outside in the woods at night, let's do it. So we went and had dinner. And that evening we went for this walk, hiking up this little, it's a mountain, really. It's this very lovely rolling hills. And there was a, an old fort up there and a castle and whatever else. And I did manage to catch the Dratini. There were Dratini that were up there. And at the time, these were incredibly rare. And I was so excited. And the Spassmeister was bemused, but sort of like, well, it got her out of her routine of avoiding being in the woods at night. So that's okay. Over the course of the next week, it was less okay because my playing Pokemon Go meant that I was not focusing all of my attention on him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he didn't like that. But I was like, look, I just, I sometimes, I just need something to occupy my brain. And what I think a lot of people don't understand about folks with weird brains is that sometimes we need to do a whole other whole ass thing in order to just focus on stuff. And what I found was having this game to play assisted me sometimes in just sort of spacing out constructively. And even better than that, I realized that the aggrieving cold stares and bitchery that I frequently received as a black woman being in Austria, especially with a white partner, uh, now I didn't give a shit because now I was involved in finding imaginary monsters. And so my attention was drawn away from that. And so there was another level of hostility that I could ignore very successfully and very easily because now I had my little imaginary world to escape into. And for the first couple of weeks, the spouse master would be like, okay, you stop, stop playing now, do this other thing. And I was like, okay, fine. But I was kind of into it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a Pokemon Go person now. And once we were back in New York, it was still that first summer and it was madness. There were hordes of people roaming through Central Park and you could not navigate any of the south end of Central Park or Bryant Park without running literally headfirst into clusters of, of, of other players running around freaking out. You know, I joined several stampedes down Fifth Avenue myself trying to catch a fucking Snorlax. No, I did not catch it. And at the time I was doing shit like jumping off of a bus and bumping my fat ass two or three blocks to try to catch a Lapras. Y'all, I went into Times Square deliberately to try to catch this fucking imaginary monster. Now, Lapras are my favorite. And in the wild at the time, this is the first year that the game dropped. You were not seeing these motherfuckers in the wild. So yes, I did run off a bus, and yes, I did run into Times Square, and yes, I did film myself catching it, and yes, it did take me one billion fucking balls to catch it. I just kept throwing the balls and throwing, and, and it kept breaking out and breaking out, and I was so nervous. I was like, I kept fucking it up, and I finally caught it. I was so excited, 
And then I got completely flamed. I posted my little video. I was so excited to this group on Facebook. I was like, I finally got a Lapras. And they were like, ha, you suck. You should kill yourself. You're a terrible player. And I was like, wow, the internet is brutal. (laughs) Shit. So that was the last time I, I posted in one of these groups. But I was so, I was, it was kind of cool actually to be a part of this gameplay. And I ran into some folks in my neighborhood and they told me that there was a discord server for, for local folks who were playing the game. And I got in on that. And who knew that there was so much drama and freakishness to be found just from folks playing a fucking Pokemon, right? Time goes on. I'm playing. We, at one point, I was performing Hyena, which is my solo show, as part of a music festival in northern England, up in Huddersfield, of all places. And Spassmeister and I were there, and we were in his room, in our room. It was my room, too. We were in the room, (laughs) hanging out. This hotel that we were staying in, oh my God, it was so like Overlook Hotel. And literally, when I went into the hallway, I could not look to the right down the hallway because it looked so much like the fucking shining. It freaked me out. And the Spassmeister was in the room working and I'm playing Pokemon and I see a fully evolved, uh, what was it? It was a fully evolved, was it a Dratini? Something across the entire parking lot. And I'm like, oh my God, a fully evolved. I gotta go. So I'm throwing on my clothes. I'm like, okay, professor, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get this Pokemon. He's like, fine. I go downstairs. I'm crossing the lobby. I hear someone shouting my name. I turn around. And one of Georg's coworkers, one of another professor from Columbia, who's a friend of mine, was waving. And I'm like, hey, I didn't know you were going to be here. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have a piece in this festival, too. And we're chatting. And I said, how funny. The only reason I ran into you and now that I know you're here, that's great. But the reason I now know you're here is because I was chasing a Pokemon. He's like, oh, you're doing that, too. And I was like, yeah, so we're laughing about that. And then I hear someone else calling. And I look over and it's a soloist um, who was going to be performing. Georg's piece that weekend. And it was, in fact, I believe it was the premiere of I Can't Breathe, which was, which is his tribute to Eric Garner. It's a memoriam for him. Amazing and beautiful piece that I deeply appreciated him writing. Anyway, so he's performing that and I'm like, oh my God, it's like a little mini reunion here. And again, totally because of Pokemon Go. And I was like, I got to call the Spousemeister and he has to come downstairs. I'm going to be right back. Hold on here. And I ran over, got the Pokemon, caught it, came back as I'm calling Georg. I'm like, Georg, please, sir, just come downstairs, put on some pants and just come down. And they're like, no, don't bother. I'm like, no, no, no. He has to see this. This is hilarious. So he comes downstairs and shouts. He's like, what? What? Who? How is everyone here? And so we're laughing. And I was like, see, Pokemon Go created a little mini reunion. This is so funny. And as we're laughing, the musician turns to Georg, looks at his watch and says, ah, I have to go. I have sound check right now in rehearsal. I'll see you in a little bit, Georg. I'll see you at the show. And Georg is like, oh, yes, we'll see you tomorrow. And he's like, no, it's tonight. The premiere is is tonight. And suddenly everyone turns around and looks at Georg and Georg is like, no, 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 it's definitely tomorrow night. So he pulls out the program and I'm standing there like gobsmacked, shocked like with my blood running cold. And I'm like, are you serious? The premiere is tonight. And I'm like, professor, you almost missed the premiere of your own fucking piece. I was like, if I had not come to get this Pokemon, your ass would have been sitting in there for the next two hours through people looking around the hall. Like, where is the man we flew up here for the premiere of his piece? Where is he? Why is he wearing no pants and in his hotel room? 
And Garrick just turned like white. He was just horrified. I was like, oh no, I was sure. Oh my gosh. And I was like, you know what, sir? I think I would like to request permission to play Pokemon Go whenever I want since clearly it saved your ass. <laughs> and he was like, so we went to the show that night and it was a triumph, an amazing success, a beautiful piece. And he did ease up on his crankiness about Pokemon Go. Fast forward to a few months later, we are back in the States and we are on our honeymoon part two. Why are we on honeymoon part two? I'm glad you asked. Our original honeymoon had been kiboshed and turned into a mad dash to complete an opera. Our two-week honeymoon on in beautiful Puerto Rico, which was supposed to be amazing. We had this whole house to ourselves, literally overlooking the beach. Rooftop deck that was completely ours, and the other view was into the rainforest. It was incredible. Except the problem was that Georg had been waiting to receive the libretto for an opera from his previous collaborator, this guy Handel Klaus. And this motherfucker was like a year late getting the libretto. Not not a year late. I think it was nine months late getting the libretto to Georg, which meant that the nine months that Georg was to have had working on the libretto was killed. And so he had to basically pull an opera out of his ass in two months or maybe three. It was ridiculous, but he did it. Why? Because he's a fucking musical genius. That's why. But because of this, our honeymoon consisted of him working about 20 hours a day for two and a half weeks. So I was promised a replacement and our replacement honeymoon was to do a drive up the California coast and stay in a really beautiful house by Moss Beach, I believe. Was it Moss Beach? Irish Beach. Irish Beach. So as we're driving, and mind you, it is just gorgeous up there. And I'm looking at Pokemon Go. And the cool thing about Pokemon Go is that all of the stops, all the shit that you interact with has real world analogs. So there'll be a Pokestop, but it's a Pokestop that is a markation for maybe a beautiful mural or a historic plaque or a building with a really cool carving on the front. And then there's little bits of information about it. And so as we're driving, I'm looking at the map, which is just an overlay of Google Maps. And I see that up ahead, there's a lighthouse that has a gym and a bunch of Pokestops around it. And I said, oh, professor, would you mind if we pulled over so I can go and do stuff at this Pokestop and then we can check out this lighthouse? And he said, sure. So we pull over, we go to the lighthouse and he is laughing as I'm like, I got to catch these things. And I run over to the lighthouse. And as I'm running away and he is standing on on basically on the edge of this cliff he starts shouting look 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 and i turn around and i see this little off the coast and i'm like oh my god it's fucking whales there's a pod of whales swimming by and we saw some flukes and a flipper flopping and the spouts coming up and it was just so amazing to see these giant creatures just living their lives a few hundred yards away from where we were and we just stood there in awe and i was like you know what professor this is Pokemon Go magic. We would not have stopped to go to this lighthouse if I hadn't seen that it was here on Pokemon Go. And he was like, yeah, you know, maybe it isn't such a terrible thing to play. And so I made him another account. Now, to be honest, the second account I made was for my own nefarious Pokemon Go purposes. I won't get into that. You can use your imagination who those who are players put them on a different team. This was back in the day when you had those nine stack gyms and you just needed someone else to go and hack through. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. Anyway, so one of the things that you have to do in Pokemon Go is that you can get eggs and hatch Pokemon. 
And at this time, this was still a rather new part of the game. This didn't all hit at once. When the game first came out, this was not a feature and then it became a feature. But the problem is that you have to go and walk around and hatch these eggs. And where we were staying, there weren't very many good places to walk. They were easy for me to walk on. I can't really do beaches. My ankles are like, go fuck yourself. Not happening, you Bambi ankle bitch. So fine, great. So I'm like, all right, fine. What am I going to do? So one of the things that we compromised on was don't hate me, don't at me, is that we would go out when it was real late and there were these little quiet back roads and we would just drive at like five miles an hour so that I could hatch these eggs. So one night, I am, I'm, we had gone for a long walk that day. So I was about a mile away from hatching this egg, but I was tired and it was late. And I was like, okay, look, professor, can we just go and just drive real slow and I can hatch this egg? He's like, okay. He brought along his book so we could, he could do his inspiration work and we're cruising along. And it's a beautiful summer night. So the, you know, the window's down and the moon is out and it's just gorgeous. And all of a sudden we heard this like scream, like this like weird, creepy scream. And I slammed on the brakes and I look up and I see a white and brown swoosh. And right in front of the car, dead in the headlights, is this giant owl. And it has just come down and wrapped it like a weasel or something, like a mid-sized rodenty thing, and was squeezing the life out of it, which was a scream that we heard. And the owl's head swiveled around and looked right at us. And a good, like, 10, 15 seconds, it just stared at the car. And then in a flash, it was gone. And we were just sitting there like, whoa, that was amazing. That was some fucking circle of life shit, man, right? It was really kind of beautiful and remarkable. And again, the sort of experience that we would not have had were it not for this ridiculous, silly game. <laughs> but the most moving aspect of this came when uh, Der Spousemeister's youngest kid, with whom I don't have a relationship because she refuses to do so, uh, actually started acknowledging my existence because she spotted the download of Pokemon Go on her dad's phone and was like, Dad, you play Pokemon Go? And by this time, I'd gotten him into the game a little bit because we were using it as a way to have just wandering around time. We would get up and say, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go take a walk. This was not something that was organically a part of our lives. And so he started doing it too. And so he knew the basics of how to play. And so he was able to bond with her as a result of that. And not only did that happen, but also there were a few times when he had a visit with her that she would say to him, dad, call Melina and tell and ask her how we do this thing with the egg because I don't quite, I don't know how to do it. And so I went from being, you know, persona non grata to someone with the access to the secret cool information, right? So this was just amazing. It was this really cool step forward. Now, she still doesn't want anything to do with me. And I understand some people just are never going to accept folks in their parents' lives. But it was really great that this brought them together in that way. And that was really unique and important. Now, it has been a bunch of years since the game has come out. And yes, I do still fucking play. And I am level 50. It's very funny that in the documentary, The Artist and the Pervert, that was done about Georg and, my, and myself during one of the uh, info panels they actually put up that at the time I was level 40 and I was like now you have to update it because now I'm level 50 I don't want people to think I just stopped there I did I just I'm anal retentive and 
I have that gifted kid syndrome. I just, I got to succeed. I got to be number one. <laughs> and so that was really cool to like hit level 50 and then be the cool person and whatever else. I have so many friends who have kids who play and there's something that just delights the shit out of me when I see my friend's children's eyes light up and they're just like, oh, you level 50? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm just like, yes, 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 I have it. Oh, because this is the poor kid vindication. This is the poor kid who had to like, who got busted for stealing laundry quarters in order to go and play Pac-Man at the arcade in order to have a few extra quarters to try to play Defender. Um, or when Tempest came out, that was my jam. Holy shit. I could rock that game. That was one of the very few games I was actually really good at. And to have this imaginary world. I feel like so much of my childhood was too far steeped in a lack of imaginary play. I was working since the time I was six years old. I was so frequently told that my imagination was over the top or that things that I felt or saw were, quote unquote, just my imagination. So to be able to inhabit a world that, yeah, sure, is imaginary, but feels real to me while I'm in it and playing it because as an actor, I can fucking become that trainer for a few hours. I enjoy that type of subsuming of character. It's just so much fun and so delightful. So if you're out there playing, you're awesome. Maybe I'll have my, I'll put my, uh, that's what I'll do. I'll put my little, I'll put my, <laughs> I'll put my friend code in the, in the show notes and then maybe you can friend me and send me things. Oh my God, especially if you are in a, one of those weird regions, I'm having a hard time collecting as many Vivions as I want. So you guys who are in like South America or Israel or the far reaches of Russia, send me gifts. Holy crap. <laughs> Good hunting trainers. Here's where I shout out my Patreons. I mean, my patrons. I mean, my whatever. So first up, I want to give the biggest, best, brightest shout outs to the superstar, supreme top bitches, Liz Scott and Terry Lamont. Lamont? Terry, it's Terry. She knows who the fuck she is. And I also need to give a shout out to the awesome, fabulous, some army consisting of J-Star, Anna T. Biddle, Christopher Brown, Amy Willaert, James Portrage, Marshall Flax, Hadiar Copley-Woods, Scott J., Marty Wilder, Meg Baca, J.P. Robichaud, Eric Meredith Goujon, we're getting French up in this bitch, Killer B. 1973, Sarah Liest, Esther, The Adipositivity Project, Kathy Melch, Andrea, D.K. Green, a.k.a. D.K. Leather, and Stephanie Sharnikoff. Thank you all. So very, ooh, did I skip past Joanna Spencer? That's wrong. Joanna's our latest subscriber. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, bitch. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. We are at the point where half of the episodes every month are covered by Patreon. Isn't that amazing, you guys? Thank you. It helps so much. And I am so, so fucking grateful. You've been listening to All That and Mo, 
Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Thank you.